1: had an interesting uh i don't know we'll call it we'll call it 18 hours or so um you ever have an experience where you uh you eat something and know right away that it's just not quite agreeing with you uh well i you Uh, know i'll I'll take (laughs) i'll take your your silent nods on our audio podcast uh and and describe them to the audience uh well i had that experience i i ventured out for a little uh popeye's jaunt last night for dinner and oh, no for whatever it, it, it wasn't it wasn't gross or anything It just like i didn't i just didn't feel well and like it kept me up mm-hmm. most of the night and it was mm-hmm. it was very strange it was it was something that i has not really happened to me before uh But arguably the most important part of that uh, experience is not that I ate fried chicken and it made me feel bad. Um, It's that that trip was the first time I had driven my car in nearly two weeks.
2: Did you get did you get the biscuits?
1: No, I did not.
2: See, that's your mistake. The biscuit is what holds it all together in your stomach. It's like the spackle for the for the Popeye's.
1: Now that doesn't
2: And, and by sound lamby, butter and it doesn't,
1: it doesn't sound right, but it also doesn't sound wrong. I don't <laughs> it know, settles maybe settles everything maybe, in your stomach, I'm telling maybe you. Maybe <laughs> further exploration uh. is needed. Need some sweet biscuity cement. Uh, yes. uh but you know, I so you know But it, you found yourself was, driving there. Yeah, so it was it was the first time I, I, I took my uh I took my, my baby, which is honestly is almost old enough to vote at this point uh to go uh to go pick up some dinner uh and uh it's it's getting up there it's getting up there in in both years and and in mileage and so uh, you know i've been kind of uh, i've been skirting around uh for the last year and a half probably that i'm not Terribly far away from needing to replace the the Tahoe with with something else, and you know it's yeah. it's it still drives fine, but it's a uh, it's a little rough interior uh, interior wise, and so the more you know, every time I drive it now, I'm like, yeah, we're <laughs> we're we're in the last chapter, uh, yeah, and so that that means having to kind of look around and, and find uh, some uh, new or, or at least new to me car option. Uh, And I've always been a a person who I think gravitates more to used cars than new cars, but Pierce, Mm -hmm. you have shared some stuff with us recently that suggests that maybe uh, this is actually not an ideal time for that.
0: So, yeah, this is something that um, – and, and I think for, for some background here, we've – all of us except for you, Sean, have, have kind of gone through this. Um, we've talked before about Max's uh, inspiration to get his dream car, which happened to be a used car <laughs> and, and something that was, it was attainable. Um, but, so Max obviously has experience buying used car. Kevin and I have experiences buying a new car, but one key difference between Kevin and I is that Kevin bought it going into a job knowing he would need it, and I bought it while having a job that required a car and then changing to a job which did not require a car, but but kind of different stations in, in life. Um, but I was always very adamant about, I'm going to get, well, I didn't when I started thinking about it, I became very adamant about buying a new car. But as you mentioned, these things change their cycles. I bought a new car five years ago and the financial circumstances of uh, this nation and the world uh, were, were quite different as were things like supply chains and interest rates. Um, and And so ultimately, I was making some decisions based off of What I saw is interest rates and the expected, um, you know, the difference in car prices for me was small enough, and we'll get more in depth. But ultimately, the difference in car prices and being able to get what I want made it small enough that okay, I'm going to take this money that that uh, you know I might pay an interest on on a used car loan that I'm not paying on a new car loan. And I am going to make that back in in investments and other things, which is a very fortunate, and privileged thing to say. To say that I did that, sure. But I kind of rationalized it from the financial perspective um, that it would be that it would be good. Also, I was putting like nothing down on my car. Um, but you know, Kevin, you are a different station in life. You also choose, chose to do a new car route. I imagine you consider the finances a lot because that's kind of what your mind did with
3: yeah uh so the the one thing that was different with or another thing that was different with me is that i actually started leasing the car first oh i, I was, oh yeah because i just kind of did a complete uh like change in terms of like, i moved across the country and started a job and it was like i need a car to drive me on the interstate 40 miles a day and at that point i was like i don't really have any idea what my life is going to be like two years from now so i'll do the lease um but like i ended up buying the car after the lease and in hindsight just knowing myself and knowing my purchasing habits and, and whatever i should have known that i was going to still want the the most boring car the toyota corolla after the lease was over and so um probably could have just bought it then but it, there were a lot of overwhelming things in the world so it's like i'll just take the lease mm-hmm <laughs> So
0: Kevin, you got, you ended up kind of playing yourself and somehow expecting your taste to change, but th- that's that's okay. You you were very, I think, um, uh, you were you were thinking about it in a very practical way, which which overall I think is consistent. Max, you so, you feel differently.
2: Well, no, I don't feel differently. I'm just curious. I don't know much about leasing cars other than people mm-hmm. always saying don't lease cars. So I'm just like <laughs> from a financial. <laughs> from a financial perspective like did you have you have you looked back on it and determined that you spent a lot of money that you didn't need to spend in exchange for i guess added flexibility of not needing to all out purchase the car after the presumably one year lease was up is that is that kind of how it works
3: it was a, so it was a two year lease and i think that um that the rule when people say that is they they mean don't get into the lifetime habit of leasing cars i think that I did not go back and, and do the math just because I was kind of... I knew that it would only make me mad, if anything. So mm-hmm. I kind of just... The the big thing is when you get the lease, you... So I did a good job of like negotiating on the lease term and the price of the lease, but I didn't really do a good job on uh, negotiating the... You you uh, settle a assigned value of the car when the lease is over that you can purchase it for, right. and uh, again at that point I was like I don't really care like whatever so I don't so that's the part that I don't know if I got ripped off or not but gotcha. I think a lot of the wisdom it, or a lot of the you know advice with that is don't just lease a new car every two years because yeah. in that case you're gonna end up losing but I still mm. probably ended up losing a bit but I don't think it was too bad. Gotcha.
0: Now so another thing and and I think this is where it, Sean is going to be different than than say Max here. So so Max, when you got your car, you and, and it was not your first car that you got, you're financed and it was not your first car that you financed used. But when you got the second car versus the first car, this the second one, you it was very specific what you wanted. It was such that what you wanted was not available new. But, but you had very specific expectations of your car. Do you think that that search, how did that weigh the first time with, I need a f- practical car, maybe a more practical car, versus the second time where it's like, I want car exactly this?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, the first car search, I should say, for my, for my second car, like you said, yep. um, was was pretty much just something practical- that could drive me fairly long distances. I would have to drive somewhat regularly from Massachusetts to Virginia. Um, so I couldn't do that in my high school car. Um, but also price played a role. So that just seemed kind of obvious to be, you know, 18 or so at the time or 17 and thinking I should probably buy a used car that can go a good ways. Um, but to your point, yeah, the second car or my, my current car, I, I didn't want a new car because I knew exactly what I wanted and it's the Generation 2 Mini Cooper, which ended in, you know, 2014, so I couldn't get a new one. Um, So, yeah, I I mean, that one, I kind of knew what I was looking for before that, and it was used, obviously.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, given that, uh, you know, Sean, Uh I, I think with you, you are probably not feeling very specific about what you want. You are more... Max's first I- engagement with getting a car, but you know, just from you initially, what are you thinking of? I would prefer to buy used, and as Kevin or I did, which is new. It, 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 let's say Kevin bought a new car, even though he leased it.
1: Oh, I mean, I, I still, so I would still, I, I am definitely still thinking. Excuse me, uh, more along the lines of buying a used car than buying a new car. Yeah, because yeah. Wait, sorry, I I, I don't. You know, uh, unlike Max, I I don't really have, like, a dream car. So I don't have any, I don't have anything that I'm like, I'm dying to get into this. I'm... 2002 Ford Taurus. I, I'm, well, no, I'm not, not something older than my current car. <laughs> uh, just barely. Uh, I'm I'm dying to get into something that I can drive until it falls apart. And I then need to replace it with an, another car down the road. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very, I, I would say, beyond a certain, beyond like a floor level of, you know, of quality. Like, I, I'm not trying to drive in squalor, but, mm-hmm. you know, out, outside of that, I just want the damn thing to run and yeah. to have... Air conditioner in it, and to have uh, a viable uh, music playing interface of some sort, and like power windows. I've I've never yeah. I've never had a, a leather seated car, so you know cloth seats <laughs> bother me. Uh, satellite radio is a scam. Uh, all two thousand Ford tour stuff. is starting
2: to sound pretty good. <laughs> I, I know,
1: I know. Uh, so, and and I don't I don't particularly envision that change like that approach changing anytime soon because Uh I'm not exactly targeting a lifestyle where I'm going to, you know, be in a position to go for, you know, uh, class or luxury or anything like that. So like, I, I would say, and, and this is something that we've, we've talked about before, uh, about your car buying process, Pierce, is that, you know, I, I got the sense maybe that when you were talking about a used car, you were talking about maybe like two model years behind a new car. Yeah. And I'm thinking, yep. well, shit, I drive a 2004 Chevy Tahoe mm-hmm. today in 2020. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, I, I'm, I'm looking for something five years, like ni- 19 like five years, five model years behind so far, so. new. So, so I, I, I'm i in a position where I, I am reasonably confident that even with the differences in interest rates, because if you've never priced out a car loan before, new car loans are much less expensive in terms of interest rates than used car loans. But I would be targeting a model old enough that even with that interest rate difference, I'm still probably saving a pretty solid amount in terms of the actual price of the car
0: yeah and and i think that's where uh, you know for me i was driving a car that was nine years old so not not a newish car but not super old either like you're dealing with but but it was it was of an age and everything where where and i think and even in 2015 when i bought the car you're kind of in this transitional phase where where car companies finally realize, oh, maybe people want Bluetooth in their car. This is a <laughs> thing that's new. Or or just like, uh, you know, having, being able to attach your, uh, wherever your electronics are. So if you're right. looking for something five years old, that's going to be there in a way that, like, I had to stay within two model years, I felt like, to, you know, what, what are you ultimately valuing? And for me, it was practical because at that time I was expecting to kind of, be driving 40 minutes to work each way and, and things like that or, or longer trips on occasion and those are the creature comforts you want i didn't i didn't care at all about the outside of the car but let me give you your ac and your your music
1: right and and you you make a good point in that i also am not sure like what my commute situation is going to be you know i'm, I'm in grad school now so i've got three more months before i'm out of school and we'll be having some sort of new job somewhere and wherever that is. I don't know if I'm going to live, you know, walking distance from my job or if I'm going to have to you know, drive 40 minutes. Uh, mm-hmm. So so anyway, so uh, all of that stuff just sort of contributes to me feeling like my, my mindset of, you know, look for, uh, we'll call it like a mid-range used car. Uh in terms of age, you know that seems like it's a a fairly solid approach for me, but yeah, as you have explained to us with with some articles that you've shared and and whatnot uh I might have a Data. bit of a tough time with that.
0: Well, you know, so so we've kind of talked about the micro aspect of this, but uh, I'm told the term is macroeconomics and and to look at the landscape of the nation. uh, We're sticking with the U.S. I mean, other places, they just don't drive. They have it right. But... um, so, so let's let's just let's start with this. I really liked this this statistic. So, the Consumer Price Index is is basically how you measure inflation. It's a basket of goods, and in month to month, they're measuring it to see how much prices have been inflated. So, there was a bump last month, that, which was pretty notable. Not as big as July, but still very notable, which people are getting out and spending money more. Maybe that's it. But um, that bump, which is one of the highest in in recent memory. Uh, was the bump uh, in price, the used cars and the selling of used cars accounted for 40% of that bump. So what's happening right now is is, there are a couple things, but so a lot of people who are on the lower end of things and are maybe not doing well right now figure they need cars. They cannot avoid, they need cars, public transit not really running, uh, you can't really fly places. They need cars, um, so they're turning to used cars. So there's all this demand for used cars, and there's not a lot of supply.
1: Uh, well, there's there's more. I think there's more to it than that as well, because I, you know we're, we're we're still we're still living under a global pandemic that's you know <laughs> thrown the whole world totally out of whack. Uh, yeah, and I think at at first people who were kind of trying to, to project out and predict some of the economic impacts of something like that uh, basically guessed that uh, it would be a great time to buy a new car because people are driving less. There's less demand for cars. So, dealers will have to get more competitive on price. Instead what's happened is that it threw a big old wrench into global supply chains. Mm-hmm. And so any any potential downward price pressure has been wiped out by the fact that it's just harder to get new cars yeah. off the line and you know, to dealerships to be sold to people that are looking for new cars. So not only is there demand from people who are already going to be targeting used cars who don't have the luxury of uh, being able to not commute out to work, but there's increased demand also presumably. I I don't know that – I certainly don't have data to quantify it in front of me, but there's also presumably – some increased demand from people who uh, would be would otherwise be in the market for new cars, but are mm-hmm. finding it maybe harder to find what they're looking
0: for. So, so you know, kind of, kind of to your to your point, um, uh, yeah. So, so the supply chains were were messed up, and, and what is happening is there. Usually, when there's a slump, there are a bunch of cars just sitting on a lot. That's not necessarily happening because there weren't cars there. So now demand is coming back, and you have a lot of people who keep in mind what is on lots now. There are trucks. There are SUVs. There are big cars because the margins are higher. Uh, right. Detroit doesn't. Detroit don't make no sedans no more. That, that <laughs> does not happen. There are no sedans. So if you're an entry-level, a younger, lo, younger person who just needs a functional car, that is not really available to you. So you've seen sales drop by 20%. Well, that's okay if you don't have anything on your lot to an extent, but the prices have continued to rise. It's somewhere around the average price of a car is a purchased new car is like $35,000. And add to that one more thing, uh, people who can buy cars are getting the benefit of really low interest rates. And additionally, they're paying 0% over not just five years, but closer to 72 months. So if you're in a good financial position, you're now now six years. So, yeah, that so over six years, they're paying off a 0% interest thing. So that's just free money that they're getting because, you know, it's, yeah. it's unfortunate because it screws over the people who need a, a used car. I, I mean, I, I know I got a really low interest rate. It was 1.49%, but now you have people, the only people who can afford these kind of luxurious cars, um, and they're getting even better rates while people are scrounging around uh to have money and also to find a used car to buy and you know it's weird that you know maybe i should maybe i should shop around my honda civic i'm not going to that feels bad but it's like the change crisis the people who need it really need it and it's not available to them right now
3: yeah i saw a uh, a reddit post that um i don't know much, but there's probably lots of extra circumstances behind it, but someone was had a car that was leased and they totaled it. And then the insurance ended up paying them money because the value of the lease now, or the value of the car now was like more than like the lease agreement. uh, Because like the used car prices had gone up so much with COVID. So wow. um, it's also a good time to maybe total your car if you need to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. we're, not that not that we're advocating insurance fraud on
0: it's pretty okay oh yeah no never but you no, know sometimes I, you got
1: to do what you got to do
0: no it's important to share the facts which which we are here and and i still i'm sure you all could explain what the difference between apr and and interest rates are what, what's the difference oh i they're the same thing, right? I, th- I thought they were the same thing. I mean,
1: a- APR mean, is just a, a measure of, how, you know, it's annualized, so okay, it's annual percentage rate or annual percentage yield. Uh, so they're 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 the same thing. So what the the difference the difference in interest rate and APR, I suppose, if you wanted to get very semantic about it, is interest rate maybe would be, you know what you would expect to accrue over the life of the loan as opposed to one
3: year Mm -hmm.
0: yeah okay well that's in any case that the apr has dropped a a full percentage point over the last year that's a pretty significant drop i mean even given the circumstances and everything interest rates were already very low on on cars all, all things considered um, but to see them drop that drastically, which I think was by about a third based off of what I'd looked at in, over the last year, that's that's significant. Um, so, uh, I mean, Sean, as you're dealing with this, do I buy new or used? Part of it is, you know, the landscape may change, but ultimately you're not going to have the option of as many used sedans anymore. I mean, you can't, not right. that you would necessarily get a Ford, but you, you can't get that. And, you know, if you want the Subaru, if you want a Subaru legacy, uh, I I mean, maybe there aren't any used ones available, even though that's, that's a a car that holds its value and is dependable, but like is not going to be available because of those things. And also maybe you're priced out of that used car.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there's a reason that, you know, uh, the, the theoretical list of the types of cars that I'm. I would be looking at is basically either take the plunge on a hybrid or buy an Accord Camry Corolla Civic. One of those, you know, uh, completely ubiquitous relatively affordable uh, Japanese sedans that will hold its value until long after nuclear winter is over. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, You know, and it's it's in no small part because like I can't envision a world in which those become hard to get a hold of. Uh, mm-hmm. But truthfully, I, you know, I, my my real plan is just continue to to crack the whip on this sixteen year old Tahoe until I have a job that affords me a little more flexibility to to be able to make a decision like, well, I'm you know I'm in a place where. Uh, buying a new car is actually a better financial proposition for me because like if it were if I got to a point where I felt like buying a new car would be a better financial proposition for me I absolutely would do that
0: so I'm I'm interested too because this reminds me you know Sean this is still kind of a I th- you think it'll be a year, maybe it's longer. I mean, who knows? It could circumstances will will prevail there. But Max, I think in some ways you might be a little bit closer to buying a car or accepting that it is going to happen in a future. Uh, is this something that
2: you've weighed too? Um, not as much. I think to be honest, I haven't weighed it cuz I just default to used cars. I've never really considered buying a new car. And so maybe I will weigh it, um, but yeah, I, I, I just have never really thought about it. I mean, now, like you're saying, with the if the use prices are, are higher and the new cars are, are, are cheaper over time, then maybe that's a factor that will play in. I, I think my timeline is probably at least a year, though. Mm-hmm. Um, so who knows what the world will look like in a year.
0: Yeah, so so maybe that, I think that raises a good question. And as we started talking about this, and, and Sean, you actually put together a, a quick, quick spreadsheet because it's the only way to solve everything uh, a couple <laughs> weeks ago uh, when we were discussing this. And I I felt good about what my thoughts were, but I've questioned them a little bit since then. And, and ultimately it gets to something which is, I think, very foundational here, which is that if you get a new car or a new home or a, a, a new boat, I guess, it is yours. No one else has had it before you. You feel like you got exactly what you wanted. And and maybe yes. I, I, I'm duping myself by doing that. I mean, Kevin, you had a new car. I mean, that's you had a new car. Yeah. Do you think about that?
3: Well, part of me with with getting that is – um, or getting the new car, or, like, when I had to decide, oh, do I want to buy out the lease or do I, like, want to go get a used car or whatever, uh, part of the reason I do that is because I don't know enough about cars for me to be able to think that I can go, like, look at, like, a used car and decide if there's anything wrong with it or not. And so, for me, part of it was just that I to. I... For various reasons, I had, like, multiple cars that kind of just, like, broke down, um, like, in, throughout high school and college. And I, I just... I was driving on the interstate a lot. I had a long commute. I just didn't want to deal with that.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the the counterpoint, yeah, the counterpoint of that is that like, you know, if if you're shopping for a new, for a used car, you sort of have to be able to discern on some level, like what is the difference between stepping into a car with 35,000 miles on it versus a car with 65,000 miles on it? Like mm -hmm. those are, those are, are, pretty substantial differences and and as such they have substantial effect on on the price and and so you know i i i don't think either of our approaches is incorrect it's all i mean right as as everything is it's all a balancing act you know like if you If you buy a car with 75,000 miles on it, on paper, that is a shitload of miles on, you know, on a car that's four years old. Um, but, you know, but maybe, maybe if you know a, a little bit about cars or, or you have someone that you know and trust who does and, and they can tell you, you know, yeah, it's it's been... It's been used but it's it's in good shape. Like maybe there is a benefit there. Or maybe, you know, maybe you're getting into a, a metal death trap that you just didn't know enough about and so it actually would have been better to spend the extra five thousand dollars Yeah and and get a newer car. So like it's not I mean it's all it's all case by case. It all depends yeah. on what is your framework for like the age of used car that you're targeting? You know, what, what is the general sort of pricing and and depreciation structure look like for the, the cars that you're, that you're exploring. So, you know, it, it's as, as always, it's another one of those things where what's really important is paying attention and doing research and, and trying to, consider all of the things that need to be considered
0: yeah and and i guess the one the one thing that that i think about here and and that it's really the delta between new and used and and max because i think you've actually weighed this before Uh, you know my my last question on this but i think we inherently have a problem with these um kind of non-perishable goods like like shoes Uh, not really going to buy used shoes but you might you would consider buying a used car or or a non-new house or or a boat and and things like that and being able to interpret new versus used is is hard and and max i'd come to you because you did get your your you know your dream car but one thing you had to consider is not only the difference in that but i think one of the main issues in determining the difference in used and new and the value in that is we know that other people have used these things and that i think is always the danger is i don't know them so so
2: how did you reconcile that yeah people are gross um <laughs> i i purchased a used car that was very lightly used it was a 4-year-old car with 17,000 miles on it um and it was one owner who didn't drive it a lot um yeah, I didn't. I didn't really. I don't really think about that with cars and, and houses. But, I mean, I did buy a, a used laptop. But I knew that I knew the person who mm-hmm. who used that. Like um, an example. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely certain things where you don't really, you know, you're like you said, you wouldn't buy used shoes. Although some people do, a lot of people do actually. So No, no pe- people do. It's just
0: <laughs> it's it's le- it is not such an investment like a laptop or a house or a car Sure. you really have to weigh that. You're saying I'm buying used shoes. I'm Yeah, I think people of
2: like having is, untouched things.
1: Yeah, the the market the market for shoes is so different too. It's just like the, you know, you wouldn't buy used running shoes from someone to go wear and work out. You would buy used shoes, if you were, like, on StockX and you found, you know, somebody was selling a pair of Michael Jordan's game-worn Jordan 3s, like, those are the kind of used shoes that people buy, you know? So, understanding the, the way that certain things wear out, like, a car wears out because over time, you know, the materials degrade... A shoe wears out over time from dealing with people's foot funk. And people's foot funk is arguably the worst thing about the human experience. So, you know, so that just that has to come into play. And that's that's why you don't, you know, that's why you don't buy used shoes the same way that you would buy a used car.
0: Well, uh, you know, when used cars are available again, you can consider this yourself. Huzzah.
1: <laughs> okay. Uh, any any final thoughts that we want to get in before we wrap that up? No. Okay, great. Thanks for <laughs> sticking with the audio medium. Uh, well, in that case, we will uh, close the book, maybe the, the blue book, on
0: Uh, on
1: car shopping and move on uh, to Pierce's sorry. what are you apologizing for today?
0: Um, so I, I did something that, that, uh, I rarely do on, I guess it was, uh, Saturday. Um, and I watched the U S women's open tennis final. Um, and Naomi Osaka uh, beat Victoria Azarenka in three sets. Um, this is probably one of the only women's tennis matches that I've, I've watched ever. Um, I am really apologizing for disparaging the three-set setup. as like, why did they only play three sets? Five would be so much better. Well, I'm here to tell you that that was wrong, and I was, was a disservice to women's tennis, especially these, these major tournaments, because three sets is such a short period of time, um, but it's long enough that you can see a story develop and, and a game develop and, and things to go back and forth. Osaka looked like she was going to be out in about 20 minutes. She lost the first set 6-1 um, and was getting about to get smoked in the, the second set. Um, and she came back and won. And it was one of the most compelling watches of any sporting event I've seen in a, in a long time. Um, and, of course, no one was there, but it was still great to watch. And a lot of the drama was on the pressure of, of every serve, every return, every point that is inherent in a three-set match. And so I'm here to say now, I am sorry to women's tennis. that was unfair. Three sets is perfect. I'm here to say now men's tennis with your just not understanding the importance of I don't know things like social movements for one, but also your long five set matches. I don't want I don't want them anymore. They're trash. They're trash. The women's game is superior. Um, here is a ma- here's a match that didn't have anyone with the last name Williams in it and I was completely captivated. So, uh, yeah, women's tennis, kudos to you. Men's tennis, boo to you.
1: (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, thank you for that. Uh, And we will move on and close the show with a big idea from pop culture. And I guess I should start this by saying that these these things that I'm going to talk about today they shouldn't hit me the way that they do uh for for one main reason, which is that uh as I think I have brought up before at some point during the run of this show, I've really never watched The Simpsons. Like I've seen some episodes, but it was never a regular part of my life. It never caught on to the point where I I was a, a you know, a, a religious follower of the show, like so many people are. And yet, in the past week, I have found myself deeply, deeply tickled by two Simpsons-related things. One is that there exists a band called Oakley Dogley, which is. A heavy metal band made up entirely of uh, men who uh, dress and look a little bit like Ned Flanders and the other is an Instagram account so so maybe Pierce this is the thing that drags you back into the social media morass uh, it's an account called Fine Art Simpsons and you know, I, I imagine that, you know, you guys are, are probably doing a little detective work in your heads right now to try to understand what an Instagram account called Fine Art Simpsons might be. Uh, and it's exactly what you are thinking. It is a, an account that takes works of fine art and uh, kind of mashes them together with Simpsons characters. So uh, the Andy Warhol uh, Campbell Soup. Uh, can is replaced with a container of cat ear medicine uh, or uh, there there's a <clears throat> there there's a kind of reworking of the great wave which is uh, you know one of the most iconic pieces of asian art that's ever been made and and it's you know bright glowing green and uh radioactive man is is tied up and it's you know it's called The Great Wave of Real Acid. Uh, and I don't understand any of these references at all. And yet I can just right away, I instantly grasp like, why why they're silly and funny. And, and so I, I've been taking great, great enjoyment in uh, fine art Simpsons separated by underscores on Instagram. And, you know, maybe you will too uh that is the end of the show you can find us at our home on the web www.prettyokpod.com you can subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice if you do that please do us a favor leave a rating review comment that sort of thing or just tell a friend about the show we'd love to share it with them as well we'll be back next week to talk about something else until then i'm sean
2: i'm pierce i'm max i'm kevin
1: thanks for listening